Volume three, chapter six of the Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six. Agnes receives another unexpected visit. Mrs. Barnaby returns to her lodgings and catches the visitor there. The seven or eight months elapsed since the reader parted from Miss Compton passed not over the head of the secluded spinster as lightly as the years which had gone before, for her conscience was not quite at rest for some time the vehemence of the indignation and disgust excited by mrs barnaby during their last interview sustained her spirits much as a potent but noxious dram might have done and during this time the fact of agnes being her inmate and companion was quite sufficient to communicate such a degree of contamination to her as made the choleric old lady turn from all thought of her with most petulant dislike the letter of mrs barnaby demanding an allowance for agnes reached her just when all this violence was beginning to subside and acting like turpentine on an expiring flame made her anger and hatred rage again with greater fury than ever this demand was refused as we have seen in the harshest manner possible and the writing this insulting negative was a considerable relief to the spinster's feelings but when this was done and all intercourse as it should seem finally closed between herself and the only human being concerning whom she was capable of feeling any lively interest her anger drooped and faded and her health and spirits drooped and faded too she remembered when it was too late that it was not agnes's fault that she was living with mrs barnaby and conscience told her that if she had come forward as she might and ought to have done at the time of her brother's death the poor child might have been saved from the chance of any moral resemblance to the object of her aversion however much she might unhappily inherit the detestable wiset beauty then too came the remembrance of the beautiful vision whose caresses she had rejected when irritated almost to madness by the tauntings of mrs barnaby and the idea that the punishment allotted to her in this world for this flagrant act of injustice was the being doomed never to behold that fair young creature more lay with a daily increasing weight of melancholy on her spirits it was on the afternoon of a fine september day that the letter of agnes reached her as usual she was sitting in her bower and her flowers bloomed and her bees hummed about her as heretofore but the sprightly black eye that used to watch them was greatly dimmed she had almost wholly lost her relish for works of fiction and reading a daily portion of the bible which she had never omitted in her life was perhaps the only one of all her comfortable habits that remained unchanged it would be no easy matter to paint the state into which the perusal of agnes's letter threw her self-reproach was lost in the sort of ecstasy with which she remembered how thriftily she had hoarded her wealth and how ample were the means she possessed to give protection and welcome to the poor orphan who thus sought a refuge in her bosom all the strength and energy she had lost seemed to rush back upon her as her need called for them and there was more of courage and enterprise within that diminutive old woman than always falls to the lot of a six-foot-two dragoon her resolution as to what she intended to do was taken in a moment and without any weakening admixture of doubts and uncertainties as to when and how but she knew that she should want her strength and must therefore husband it her step was therefore neither hurried nor unsteady as she returned to the house and mounted to her sitting-room the first thing she did on entering it was to drink a glass of water the next to endite a note to the postmaster at silverton ordering a chaise and four horses to be at compton bassett by daybreak to take her to the first stage towards london she then rang her bell gave her note to peggy wright the farmer's youngest daughter who was her constant attendant and bade her request that her father if in the house would come to her immediately 
there was enough in the unusual circumstances of a letter received and a note sent to excite the good farmer's curiosity and he was in the presence of his landlady as quickly as she could herself have wished sit down farmer wright said miss compton and the farmer seated himself i must leave compton bassett to-morrow morning farmer wright she resumed my niece my great-niece i mean miss willoughby has written me a letter which determines me to go to london immediately for the purpose of taking charge of her myself surely miss compton you bean't going to set off all by your own self for london exclaimed the farmer not if i can manage before night to get a couple of servants to attend me farmer wright stared there was something quite new in miss betsy's manner of talking you are a very active man farmer in the haymaking season continued miss compton with a smile do you think that to oblige and serve me you could be as much on the alert for the next three or four hours as if you had a rick to say from a coming storm of rain that i would replied wright heartily do you but bid me do miss betsy and i'll do it then go to your sister appleby's and inquire if her son william has left squire horton's yet i need not go so far for that miss compton will is downstairs with my missus at this very minute said the farmer that is fortunate he is not likely to go away directly is he no not he miss betsy he has come to have a crack with our young uns and it's more likely he'll stay all night than be off in such a hurry then in that case have the kindness farmer wright to saddle a horse while i write a line to the bank i want you to ride over to silverton for me to get some money and i'll do it replied her faithful assistant leaving the room fortunately for her present convenience miss compton always kept a deposit of about one hundred pounds in the bank at silverton in case of need either for the purpose of making the loans which have been already mentioned as a principal feature in her works of charity or for any accidental contingency beyond this however she had no pecuniary transactions there as her habitual secrecy in all that concerned her money affairs made it desirable that her agent should be more distant this fund however was quite sufficient for the moment for as will be easily believed miss compton had no debts farmer wright speedily reappeared equipped for his ride you will receive ninety-seven pounds sixteen and two pence wright said the spinster giving her draught would it suit you best to receive the rent miss betsy before you set off said the farmer it will make no difference you know ma'am if i pays it a fortnight beforehand not an hour upon any account wright replied his punctilious landlady i will leave written instructions with you as to what you are to do with it and about all my other affairs in which you are concerned and now send william appleby to me this young man the nephew of her tenant and the ex-footman of a neighbouring family had been favourably known to her from his childhood and a very few minutes sufficed to enrol him as a servant with an understanding that his livery was to be ordered as soon as they reached london this done mrs wright was next desired to attend her and with very little waste of time or words it was agreed between them that if father made no objection which both parties were pretty sure he would not peggy should be immediately converted into a waiting-maid to attend upon herself and miss willoughby this last arrangement produced an effect very likely to be destructive to all miss betsy's quiet well-laid plans for preparation for the news that peggy was to set off next morning for london very nearly turned the heads of every individual in the house the mother of the family however so far recovered her senses as to appear again in miss compton's room at the end of an hour but with a heated face and every appearance of having been in great activity i ax your pardon miss betsy a thousand times said the good woman wiping her face 
but peggy's things you know miss compton can't be like yours all nicely in order in the drawers and we must all wash and iron too before she can be ready but here i am now to help you and i can get your trunk ready in no time i shall take very little with me mrs wright replied the old lady who seemed as much au fait at what she was about as if she had been in the habit of visiting london every year of her life nor must peggy take much she added gently but with decision and getting her things washed and ironed must be done after we are gone i shall let you know as soon as i can where the luggage that must follow us shall be addressed and instead of washing and ironing mrs wright i want you and one of the elder girls to assist me in making an inventory of everything i leave behind orders concerning which you will also receive by the post miss compton though a very quiet inmate and one whose regular habits gave little trouble was nevertheless a person of great importance at compton bassett and her commands thus distinctly expressed were implicitly obeyed so that before the usual hour of retiring for the night everything was arranged both for going and staying exactly as she had determined they should be it was singular to see with what unvacillating steadiness this feeble-looking old lady pursued her purpose no obstacle appeared of consequence sufficient to draw aside a thought from the main object she had in view but was either removed or passed over by an impulse that seemed as irresistible as the steam that causes the train to rush along the railroad making the way clear if it does not find it so at daybreak the silverton post-chaise with four good horses and two smart post-boys were at the door and within ten minutes afterwards all adieus had been spoken all luggage stowed and miss compton who had never yet left her native country was proceeding full gallop towards the metropolis as you drive so you will be paid said william to the boys as they set off and they did drive as boys so bargained with generally do miss compton had shown equal quickness and good judgment in having secured the services of this william for he had repeatedly travelled with his late master and mistress to london was apt quick and intelligent and fully justified the expectation his new lady had formed that with carte blanche in the article of expense he would manage her journey as expeditiously and with as little trouble to herself as if she had been attended with a half a dozen outriders at exeter she dined and reposed herself for a couple of hours during which william undertook to hire a carriage for the journey furnished with a dicky behind and all other conveniences an arrangement which greatly lessened the fatigue to all parties and enabled the active-minded old lady to proceed as far as salisbury that night daybreak again found her en route and by means of william's conditional mode of payment to the positions miss compton arrived at aberson's hotel by two o'clock in the afternoon it might be supposed from the exertion used to reach the wide city in which she knew poor agnes stood alone that miss compton would drive directly to half moon street and save her as early as possible from all farther anxiety but such was not her plan there was something still wanting to prove her repentance and her love before she could present herself before the forsaken agnes all her schemes all her wishes were explained to her efficient aide-de-camp and while she and the wondering peggy reposed themselves he was sent in search of handsome private lodgings which must be such as his master the member for silverton might have approved for his own family and then he was to proceed to livery stables where he was known and hire for her by the week a carriage and horses fit for ladies to use such were miss compton's vague but very judicious orders and the result was that by the time she had dined and taken an hour's nap upon the sofa a very respectable equipage was at the door awaiting her orders 
in and about this the light luggage she had brought with her was arranged and ten minutes drive brought her to handsome airy lodgings near the top of wimpole street where william thought he should be able to breathe himself and where his mistress and peggy knew as they were to smoke and dust might have as good a chance of doing so too as in any other street he could think of miss compton was pleased greatly pleased with her new confidant's promptitude and ability the carriage pleased her the horses the coachman the house the furniture and the obsequious landlady too all pleased her and she felt a degree of happiness as she set her peggy to make arrangements for the especial comfort and accommodation of agnes such as she had never known before it cured all fatigue it overpowered every feeling of strangeness in her new and most unwanted abode and gave a gaiety to her spirits and lightness to her heart that made her look as she stepped from room to room like one of the little benignant old fairies of which we read in french story-books by eight o'clock all her preparations were complete the tea-things placed on the drawing-room table peggy given to understand that she was to consider herself more as miss willoughby's personal attendant than her own and the carriage again at the door to convey her to the longed-for yet almost dreaded meeting in half-moon street agnes had written to miss compton on monday and calculated that she might receive an answer to her letter on thursday morning but thursday morning was past and no letter arrived and when about half-past eight on that same evening she heard a carriage stop and the knocker thunder the only idea that suggested itself was that her aunt barnaby was returned and that she should have to plead for a night's lodging under her roof her spirits were weakened by disappointment she had heard nothing from cheltenham since colonel hubert's visit and this together with the non-arrival of any devonshire letter had caused a degree of depression to which she very rarely gave way what shall i say to her how shall i dare to meet her she exclaimed oh if she keeps her word what what will become of me she heard steps approaching and feeling convinced it was her aunt barnaby attempted in her terror to open the door that communicated with the other room but found it locked and trembling like a hunted fawn obliged to turn to bay she cast her eyes towards the dreaded door and saw miss compton gently and timidly entering by it aunt betsy she cried springing towards her and falling involuntarily upon her knees oh dear dear aunt betsy is it indeed possible that you are come for me the poor old lady's high-wrought energies almost failed her now and had not a chair stood near she would hardly have saved herself from falling on the floor beside her niece agnes poor child she said you thought i was too hard and too cruel to come near you i have been much to blame oh frightfully to blame will you forgive me dear one my poor pale girl you look ill agnes very very ill and is it not a fitting torment for me to see this fair bloodless cheek for did i not hate you for your rosy health agnes was indeed pale and though not fainting was so near it that while her aunt uttered this passionate address she had no power to articulate a word but she laid her cheek on the old lady's hands and there was something so caressing and so helpless in her attitude as she did this that poor miss compton was entirely overcome and wept aloud no sooner however had this first violent burst of emotion passed away than the happiness such a meeting was calculated to afford to them both was most keenly and delightfully felt miss compton looked at agnes as the blood beautifully tinged her delicate cheek again with such admiration and delight that it seemed likely enough notwithstanding her strong good sense on many points that she might now fall into another extreme and idolize the being she had so harshly thrust from her 
while the object of this new and unhoped-for affection seemed to feel it at her very heart and to be cheered and warmed by it like a tender plant receiving the first beams of the morning sun after the chilling coldness of the night at length miss compton remembered that she was not come there only to look at agnes and withdrawing her arms which she had thrown around her she said come my own child this is no roof for either of us have you much to remove is there more than a carriage can take agnes and will you take me with you now aunt betsy cried the delighted girl springing up wait but one moment and all i have shall be ready it is not much my books are packed and my trunk too the maid will help me ring the bell then love and let my servant take your packages down agnes obeyed her trunk aunt betsy's original trunk and the dear empton book-box were lodged on the driving-seat and the dicky of the carriage and william was just mounting the stairs to say that all was ready when another carriage was heard to stop and another knocking resounded against the open street door oh it is aunt barnaby cried agnes in a voice of terror is it replied miss compton in the lively tone of former days i shall be exceedingly glad to see her can you be in earnest aunt betsy said agnes looking very pale perfectly in earnest my dear child answered the old lady it will be greatly more satisfactory that she should be an eye-witness of your departure with me than that you should go without giving her notice perhaps she would say you had eloped and robbed the premises hush cried agnes she is here mrs barnaby's voice at least was already with them it was indeed the return of this lady which they had heard and no sooner had she dismissed her hackney coachman than she began questioning the servant of the house who was stationed at the open door expecting miss compton and her niece to come down what carriage is that whose servant is that upon the stairs you have not been letting the lodgings i hope were the first words of the widow oh dear no ma'am replied the maid everything is just as you left it then who is that carriage waiting for for a lady ma'am who is come to call on your young lady my young lady unnatural hussy and what fine friends has she found out here i wonder to visit her be they who they will they shall hear my opinion of her and with these words mrs barnaby mounted the last stair and entered the room the two unsnuffed tallow candles which stood on the table did not enable her at the first glance to recognize her aunt who was wrapped in a long silk cloak much unlike any garment she had ever seen her wear but the sable figure of agnes immediately caught her eye and she stepped towards her with her arm extended very much as if about to box her ears but it seemed that the action was only intended to intimate that she was instantly to depart for with raised voice and rapid utterance she said how comes it girl that i find you still here be gone never will i pass another night under the same roof with one who could so basely desert a benefactress in distress and who may this be that you have got to come and make merry with you while i and for your expenses too whoever it is they had better show no kindness to you or they will be sure to repent of it mrs barnaby then turned suddenly round to reconnoitre the unknown visitor do you not know me mrs barnaby said miss compton demurely my aunt betsy good god ma'am what brought you here i came to take this troublesome girl off your hands mrs barnaby is not that kind of me that's the plan is it retorted the widow bitterly now i understand it all 
instead of coming to comfort me in my misery she was employing herself in coaxing another aunt to make a sacrifice of herself to her convenience take her and when you are sick and sorry she will turn her back upon you as she has done upon me oh do not speak so cruelly aunt barnaby cried agnes greatly shocked at having her conduct thus described to one whose love she so ardently wished to gain tell my aunt copton what it was you asked of me and let her judge between us shut the door agnes said miss compton sternly and then reseating herself she addressed mrs barnaby with an air of much anxiety and interest niece martha i must indeed beg of you to tell me in what manner this young girl has conducted herself since she has been with you for i can assure you much depends upon the opinion i shall now form of her i have no longer any reason to conceal from you that my circumstances are considerably more affluent than anybody but myself and my man of business is aware of nearly forty years of strict economy niece martha have enabled me to realize a very respectable little fortune it was i and not my tenant who purchased your poor father's moiety of compton bassett and as i have scarcely ever touched the rents a little study of the theory of interest and compound interest will prevent your being surprised when i tell you that my present income is fifteen hundred per annum clear of all outgoings whatever is it possible exclaimed mrs barnaby with an accent and a look of reverence which very nearly destroyed the gravity of her old aunt yes mrs barnaby she resumed such is my income with less than this a gentlewoman of a good old family desirous of bringing forward a niece into the world in such a manner as to do her credit could not venture to take her place in society and i have therefore waited till my increasing revenues should amount to this sum before i declared my intentions and proclaimed my heiress such being the case you will not be surprised that i should be anxious to ascertain which of my two nieces best deserves my favour i do not mean to charge myself with both let that be clearly understood the doing so would entirely defeat my object which is to leave one representative of the compton bassett family with a fortune sufficient to restore its former respectability and everybody must admire such an intention replied mrs barnaby with an accent of inexpressible gentleness and i for one most truly hope that whoever you decide to leave it to may deserve such generosity and have a grateful heart to requite it with that is just what i should wish to find returned the spinster and before you came in i had quite made up my mind that agnes willoughby should be the person but i confess mrs barnaby that what you have said alarms me and i shall be very much obliged if you will immediately let me know what agnes has done to merit the accusation of having deserted her benefactress it is but too easy to answer that aunt compton replied the widow and i am sorry to speak against my own sister's child but truth is truth and since you command me to tell you what i meant when i said she had deserted me i will i have been arrested aunt compton and that for no reason on the earth but because i was tempted to stay three or four days longer in london than i intended of course i meant to go back to that paltry place cheltenham and pay every farthing i owed there the proof of which is that i have paid every farthing though it would have served them right to have kept them a year out of their money instead of a month but that's neither here nor there though there was no danger of my staying in prison i was there for three days and agnes could not tell but i might have been there for ever 
yet when i wrote her a most affectionate letter begging her only to call upon me in my miserable solitude she answered my petition which might have moved a heart of stone with a flat refusal ask her if she can deny this what say you agnes is this so said the old lady turning to the party accused aunt betsy said agnes and then stopped as if unwilling for some reason or other to say more yes or no demanded mrs barnaby vehemently did you refuse to come to me or not i did replied agnes i hope you are satisfied aunt compton cried the widow triumphantly by her own confession you perceive that i have told you nothing but the truth agnes said nothing in reply to this but loosening the strings of a silk bag which hung upon her arm she took from it a small packet and placed it in the hands of miss compton what have we got here said the spinster sharply what do you give me this for child i wish you to read what is there if you please aunt said agnes miss compton laid it on the table before her while she sought for her spectacles and adjusted them on her nose but while doing this she kept her eyes keenly fixed upon the little packet and not without reason for had she turned from it for a single instant mrs barnaby who shrewdly suspected its contents would infallibly have taken possession of it my coachman and horses will get tired of all this i think said miss compton however as you say niece martha truth is truth and must be sought after even if it lies at the bottom of a well this is a letter and directed to you miss agnes and this is the back of another with some young lady-like scrawling upon it which am i to read first pray the letter aunt betsy replied agnes so be it said the spinster with an air of great indifference and drawing one of the candles towards her and carefully snuffing it she began clearly and deliberately reading aloud the letter already given in which mrs barnaby desired the presence of agnes and gave her instructions for her finding her way to the fleet prison having finished this she replaced it quietly in its cover without saying a word or even raising her eyes towards either of her companions and taking the other paper containing agnes's reasons for non-compliance read that through likewise exactly in the same distinct tone and replaced it with an equal absence of all commentary in the cover she then rose and walking close up to her elder niece who proffered not a word looking in her face with a smile that must have been infinitely more provoking than the most violent indignation said niece martha the last time i saw you if i remember rightly you offered me some of your old clothes but now you offer me none which i consider as the more unkind because if you dressed as smart as you are now while in prison you must certainly wear very fine things when you are free and so as you are no longer the kind niece you used to be i don't think i shall come to see you any more as for this young lady here it appears to me that you have not been severe enough with her mrs barnaby i'll see if i can't teach her to behave better in prison or out of prison if i bid her come we shall see if she dare look about her for such plausible reasons for refusing as she has given you if she does i'll certainly send her back to you mrs barnaby ring the bell naughty agnes the maid seemed to have been very near the door for it instantly opened tell my servants that i am coming said the whimsical spinster enacting the fine lady with excellent effect and making a low slow and most ceremonious courtesy to the irritated but perfectly overpowered mrs barnaby she made a sign to agnes to precede her to the carriage and left the room End of chapter six